your eyes are open, your heart's open, your ears, mouth, you know, you can talk to the mom and encourage her and all that, but it's really just not, not disturbing it when it's going well. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, happy Monday. This week on the podcast, I am joined by my friend Anne from Home Sweet Home Birth. Yeah, we're chatting about home birth this week. Home birth is something I am not very familiar with from a practitioner standpoint. I've only ever attended hospital births, but I do respect that some women do choose home birth as an alternative to birthing in a traditional hospital setting. Because of this, I thought it would be really educational and fun to have a home birth midwife on the podcast to talk to us about some of her experiences and answer some of my own questions I have about home birth. Anne has been in practice for over 25 years as a midwife, so she's really seen it all. And today we talked about home birth, prenatal care, water births, hospital transfers, and so much more. You guys are going to love Anne and all she has to say in this episode, so let's jump right in. So tell me, are you one of an estimated 80% of pregnant women that's hoping to give birth without an epidural? I hate to break it to you, but simply wanting it might not be enough. After the unmedicated birth of my first son, Walter, I knew I had to create an affordable online birth class designed just for moms that wanted to do the same. And that's how Birth It Up, the natural series was born. Learn more about how to make your dream of a natural hospital birth a reality at mommylabornurse.com slash natural birth. You can totally do this and we can help. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and family, where you're from, what you do, all that good stuff? From Philadelphia suburbs. As soon as I did my uh, nursing obstetrics, uh-huh. I was like, oh, this is what I'm go- you know, going to do. I went to University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, and then I was an OB nurse for several years. And it was my experience being an OB nurse and, and my own having my own babies, given the royal treatment, though, but in the hospital where I worked with my colleagues, that I ended up deciding to become a midwife. So I've been a midwife for 27 plus years. I graduated in Ooh. 1995. And I've done, you know, birth out of hospital birth center and uh, hospital birth. And then um, I have this home birth practice. And so I have four kids and I have little eight. They've produced uh, right. They all were pregnant at the same time at different times. Are you grandma now too? I told them don't ever use that word. (laughs) Oh no. Okay. Sorry. I take it back. Pop, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I dance, I'm, I'm very active and, you know, yeah. fun and playful. And, and I said, you can, co- so the, 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 they have eight under the eight, between the four of them under the age. Oh, of six. Wow. And because they grew up with babies in their belly and pushing out 
babies and you know they say they tell me my my babies breach and you know because they grew up on you know I had my I had my main office was in my house when I had the home birth and then they were just into my things and they just yeah grew up breastfeeding their babies and 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 you know so so I was at all their births as sort of the mommy midwife you have mommy labor nurse, but yeah, I, I said, I didn't want to be the actual midwife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was at all the births except, you know, during COVID, uh, the, la- the la- whatever, but there's eight under the age of six. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they all live local. One lives overseas, but the other ones, yeah. Uh, like, you know, for 40 minutes away. So my house could be a total, you know, how it is when you have yeah. kids. So, you know, my house could be a, you know, all, because I have, I do um, now since COVID, my office is again in my house. So when they come, it's like they just take apart everything. It's all over the place. And I just, I love it, you know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Well, I want to talk about first, kind of before we get really into the episode about your credentials and your training. So what, tell me kind of what that was like, because I know here in the United States, there's a couple different kind of ways to do it. Yeah, well, I am very holistic and I've, you know, I just, I'm holistic in my approach, which just means using all the modalities, including modern medicine to to help somebody, you know, in terms of healing and, or, you know, in maternity care as well. I mean, we need to, we need to use whatever works. And sometimes that means modern medicine, right? My training is a bachelor of nursing in University of Pennsylvania and then we have to, in New York, where I live, I live in the suburbs, kind of upstate. And in the state of New York, you need a master's degree. And even if you didn't need it, I, I'm glad I had it. I went to, so there was, it's, it's called Frontier School of Midwifery and Family, uh, Family Nursing. And, and then it's a master's degree through Case Western University. Yeah. So we have to be master's level trained here. Yeah, no, that's great. So what was, so did you have to do, I'm assuming that was online and then do you have to do like certain um, not everything no the clinicals weren't online we I was going to say you can't do yeah, clinicals no, no, no. online yeah no we had to go there there were to, I was very grateful for my husband because I mean there were I had to go there several times mm-hmm. and once I had to spend a month a lot of the work could be done remotely but the clinical once I once we were starting clinical no, I'm doing clinical in different sites. I did it in the birth, you know, I wanted to get my out of hospital birthing clinical that was done at a local birthing center, freestanding birth center. And then, um, yeah, lo- uh, hospitals local to me mm-hmm. is where I did the clinical and you have gotcha. to pass the same exams and all that stuff. So when I first graduated, my first job was in an amazing practice. It was a a hospital practice and it was two doctors and six midwives. And the doctors really only wanted to be involved when there was a high risk situation. You know, mom is on insulin or there's, you know, triplets or something like that. Otherwise, even even those people would benefit from midwifery care, but they would deal with, uh, you know, preeclamptic management or, you know, we, we did vaginal breaches and VBAC and all that. And, and they really, they called it Dr. Midwife Team Care because the they really feel, and this is sort of the model around the world, is that the midwives, our expertise is in normal, right? Keeping birth normal and the vast majority of the population having babies are normal and can, of course, intervene. We're trained in all that, you know, how to deal with emergencies. We can prescribe. We can 
Um, we're first in New York. We, we could be the first assist at a cesarean uh, birth. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The obstetrician in, in a lot of other countries um, is really people like Sweden, for example, they only go to if they're high risk because their expertise, thankfully, is high risk to treating and diagnosing things very, you know, high risk medically and surgically. And they just don't know what, they're just not trained. My, my OB that is my collaborative OB for many years, he, says he doesn't want to know what, he doesn't know anything about normal birth. He doesn't know what to do with it. You know, just give him problems. Like, like he'll joke with me. He tells my clients, you'll get better care with the midwives, you know, if, if everything's going well. I don't want to see you unless they're, you know, and then that's the, the team that I worked with. And when we're sort of in that balance of midwives working with most, you know, the vast majority of normal and leaving the doctor free to be the surgeon, the, the um, you know, dealing with complicated problems, then you have this wonderful balance and, and, and we're getting much better outcomes. And that's why the outcomes in other countries are better, you know, when they have this sort of model. Yeah, I was going to say, because that sounds like a very similar model. I talked to um, midwife Marley. I'm going to drop her name, but she's a midwife over. I'm not sure if you follow her on Instagram. She has a great page too, but she's a midwife over, I think in the UK, I think in the UK. And she talks about similar things. That's just the model of care. They try to keep the majority of patients under midwifery care. And then the high risk, high risk patients really should just go to obstetric care. What we're seeing in the States is when the high risk man, um, management is applied to the normal, we're getting high rates of intervention and cesarean and, and, and rise in mortality rate, mother right. faith, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it, it's a big deal, but I love the, you know, I'm fortunate to work with wonderful doctors who are supportive of this and like this sort of model, but it's, you know, you have to look for it. It's not everywhere. Totally, totally. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your practice and like kind of what you do right now. So do you see, I know it's a little bit different, obviously you said with COVID stuff, it's, it's just different than it was pre-COVID. So you're saying you, you, you worked before with that practice with those patients and now you're in a home birth. I started my own practice with a colleague of mine okay. um, who was actually at that time, a doula then became a nurse then became okay. a midwife. So we were together in, in partnership for a, a long time. And, okay. and then we just parted in terms of being in the practice together. And I worked with different other midwives and then I became sort of the, um, it was a midwifery hospital practice and they, I was the, um, they, it was like a center. So they had chiropractic care, they had acupuncture, childbirth classes, they had, you know, a physical therapist and acupuncturist. It was like a holistic center yeah. for, for, for women. And I was the director of the home birth department. So anyone that wanted a home birth would come to me and my team. I had another midwife and assistants and, and um, you know, and if they needed to transfer, it was a seamless transfer to the hospital midwives in the hospital or their or their obstetricians. And then when Obamacare hit and a lot of these hospital practices were, you know, private practice was like sort of bought out by these corporations and the, the corporation didn't want home birth in their, ah. in their, uh, whatever the midwives had no control. And so I worked with the midwives in hospital practice for a while and then COVID hit. And I also work in a local hospital practice, uh, actually, that is, is mostly a practice of immigrant patients. Uh, they don't speak any English, many of them, they, 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 are, they, they just come over from uh, Latin America, mm -hmm. Haiti, and they have 
they just have no insurance. They're not legal, right? So Mm -hmm. I love working with this population. And so I would do shifts there. But my main, my main focus was this home birth practice that was like my baby. I started in 1997 and it's just, you know, been in different places, but we're still serving the, 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 the families that, that want home birth. So, yeah, I so, then, so I had two offices and then when COVID hit, everybody was working remotely and I, it was too much to keep up my rent. So I just kept my home office. That's what I've had. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So you're seeing, so, okay. I want to talk about like prenatal care. So do your patients then come to you or do you go to Oh them? yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Mom having a, a healthy pregnancy does never, it never needs to see the doctor. So okay. we do prenatal care is huge. And that's like, that's, you know, we're, it's, we're not just screening. Yeah. We do all the, you know, my first visit is two and a half hours and a lot of it is teaching, right. Mm -hmm. And going through their entire holistic health, you know, not just all their, you know, medical, surgical, gynecological, you know, uh, social history, but you know, how they deal with stress, how they, how they eat, how they exercise, what they love, how they relax, you know, just like answering a lot of the questions for the the tests that we do, some are we have to do, you know, I'm not, um, uh, CBC is not elective, <laughs> right? Um, that's just like, you know, uh, certain things are not elective, but a lot of the genetic count, uh, testing and the screening right. downs and all that. So, so sonograms, we talk about all this and then help them with whatever they're dealing with. So somebody, you know, might be dealing with nausea or, or they're getting frequent UTI, urinary tract infections or, or whatever it is. And like I said, I can prescribe so I draw all my blood and do the pap smears and cultures in my office. And, and if they do, there are those who only want one ultrasound. There's a few that don't want any. And I respect their, you know, right informed choice, right to informed choice. But I would say most people have one and I'd say mid-pregnancy unless, you know, 18 to 22 weeks, unless there's a, uh, an issue. And I just write the script and they go to like my perinatologist does really good, good ones. But, but yeah, so the, and then we do a full exam and and then they come to us every four to six weeks and those visits are an hour. And it's really about getting to know each other, getting to trust each other. Um, They need to feel that they can be totally uninhibited and naked and puking and pooping and doing whatever the sensual and whatever they need to do. And trust me that they feel safe, right? And I need to know what how to help them best. What, you know, some people like a lot of people around them helping them and some people really want privacy. And, you know, it's that relationship that's so important. That's why, you know, like all these people when COVID hit and, you know, they're like 35 weeks going to a GYN and they're all wanting to switch to home birth. uh, Like not first baby at 35 weeks, you need to have this relationship. We need to help, like, especially for prime first time vaginal birthers, we need to do a lot of preparation. You know, they're in the West, they're in their Western culture and expecting, you know, it's a whole different culture. You know, like that's why I love working with the immigrant population as well, because they, the, the less Americanized they are, you know, they just it, it, everyone in their area is is when they where they came from was birthing at home. It was part of life. They're used to hardship. They're used to pain. It's not a big deal. They just come and they birth. It's part of family life, right? But the more Americanized they are, the more they're on the media, the more they're expected, you know, googling everything. We have a lot more preparation to do, and you know, help them get out of their heads and more into their bodies and. 
And yes, mindset shift in terms of the pain and all that. So yeah, so I, I re, for all first timers, we, we cry or uh, childbirth, you know, classes. I have my online ones, but a doula or a doula like support. And then, yeah, as it gets, you know, 28 weeks, it's every two to three weeks and then weekly at 36. Um, mm-hmm. And those visits are an hour. And then we do one home visit. So make sure we know how to get to the house. And I was going to ask about that. Like, how does that work? You just show up and it's a surprise or do you, yeah, that makes sense. That no, you would go no, to no, their no, house no. First. We have a whole <laughs> list of supplies that oh. the family has to get. So I carry in my bag things, you know, some, some things, um, quite a heavy bag. I have like the PPV and the Doppler and the, I would say the medical supplies that are not disposable and, and then the, you know, emergency medications, things like that. And then they have a list of, of, of equipment that, so it's like they will have, and I check at the home visit, we go through the whole list. It's basically the same equipment that an out of hospital birthing center would have. Right. So, gotcha. so it's either for mess control, for comfort, and the medic and the disposable medical supplies. And we, we, you know, we just go through the list. We set it up on a table or a dresser. You know, they may or may not want to have a birthing tub there or they have their own uh, tub that they can use. And so, and we know, you know, we just look around the kitchen. They give us of where, you know, where things are and we tell them how to set it up. And then it's all ready so mm-hmm. that when they go into labor and, and they, you know, then they let, they let me know. We have a whole, you know, way of how to contact us and what, you know, what's an emergency or, you know, or when I want to be woken yeah. up in the middle of the night, you know, all that went when we can just, it could be just something in the morning and then we'll, we go when we're needed to go. So it, that's different for each, each person. And we're there, you know, we, we do intermittent fetal monitoring. So I'm, you know, I'm checking the fetal heart rate and active labor every half hour and then every five or every other push in in the second stage of labor and, mm-hmm. and most of the time it's it's just you know yeah i mean i'm assessing their vital signs but and i'm watching but most of the time it's it's um the more i do it the less i have to do it, it, the best intervention when it's working is nothing it's, it's, it's nothing it's, you're no yeah that's why michelle o'donnell is an obstetrician said you know he said in a conference of like 500 midwives in, in his french accent the best intervention at a birth for an attendant is to knit, K-N-I-T, because it's this calm <laughs> presence. You know, yeah. healthcare providers, we have to be busy. We have to be fixing our hand. What are we? Right. <laughs> you know, no, knit, get your hands out, occupied with something, but you have this calm presence. You've seen a thousand births and, you know, you know when you can put down the knitting, but your, your, your eyes are open, your heart's open, your ears, mouth, you know, you can talk to the mom and encourage her and all that, but it's really just not not disturbing it when it's going well. Yeah. And and it's a very, that. you know, peaceful. There's like it's there's hum, there's humanity in it. There it, it's sacred, it's fun, we laugh, we dance. It's very most of the time everything goes well and it's 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 just part, you know, kids could be walking around, grandma's taking care of them, but you know, sometimes the kid will come in front of the mom and like, I want a Red Bull, mom. Yeah. Because she's still mom. Yeah. She's still mom. Now, some moms, their label will stop. So I always say, you always have, you know, and some, they could be, the kid can be in their face. Tie my shoes, mom. (laughs) (laughs) And she's just in her zone, you know, and she's just, and we had this one, you know, we've had kids jump in the birthing tub with flippers. I mean, there's, 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 uh, and a snorkeling gear. There's, There's a sense of humor. 
I think the funniest thing was because, you know, because I do both home and hospital is I had my sterile tray because she was pushing and she had a lot of cats and somehow a cat jumped onto my sterile tray. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, can you imagine this happening at the hospital? No, you know, I had no time to like get a new tray or anything, you know, and no. their yeah. own germs, you know, nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. And birth is not sterile. You know, it's, it's, it's their house. And it's not you know. surgery is like yeah, a well, C-section gonna... is, but we're not in a C-section. You're right. We it's are not, not sterile. doing surgery. Yeah. So, so then a lot of times people ask me about my transfer rate, my C-section rate. Yeah. And, yeah. Let's you know. talk about that. So I would say the most common reason, and this is why I require childbirth classes is the most common reason for transfer is, is a stuck prolonged and then stuck labor with an exhausted mom. And we have tried everything. And I track my stats, 7%. I'm like, I hope it's not 70. <laughs> no, no, yeah. 7%, which means 93% are doing it. That's because, great. Because, but the ones that are having these long, stuck, prolonged, exhausted labors, it's first time vaginal birthers who yeah. have not prepared. And yeah. there are people that just say, I don't need to take a class. And, and I, I, after, you know, seeing this pattern, I make it a requirement mm -hmm. because I want them to succeed. Right. Yeah. The times that I've had to call 911 a handful, um, the most of the time we're screening. That's what prenatal care is. You're screening. You're making sure that we don't have someone on cocaine, right? We make sure we don't have someone with a seizure disorder on medication or insulin dependent diabetes or, you know, uh, hypertension, right? It, you, we're screening for, for, you know, five C-sections, you know, <laughs> we don't, there are, not everybody can have a home birth, right? Totally. So, yeah. Right. And that's important to, to understand too. Yeah. Yeah, not everyone can have a home birth, uh, uh, but but the, those that make it into the you know they're they make it through the prenatal care and they're in labor, we're not giving them medications in labor, right? They're not being induced in in a in a medical way, and so it's it's and they're all healthy, so it's very you know unlikely that they're going to have some sort of an unpredictable emergency. But no, things happen like shoulder dystocia, and you know I, we are the EMTs at birth, so the most common. You can't transfer during a shoulder dystocia. You have to get the baby out. They're not no. going to, the EMTs do not know what to do, right. you know, so, so that, but um, the most common emergency that, that we have for mom is a postpartum hemorrhage. And I, we, I carry pit, IV, methogen, site attack, like I, IV, they're like, that's why I'm so strong on this about not supporting free birth, because I've had situations where. Thank if you for I saying that. Yes. There, Yes. I wasn't there or an attendant, trained attendant. Uh, and I'm talking about a, a physician because family physicians are sometimes trained in, in obstetrics, but physician or midwife, not, trained midwife, not there, mom or baby would not have lived. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's that's honestly the only thing I can't really wrap my head around and talk about and really like, I mean, we can talk about it in a negative way, like how it's very, very dangerous, but that's the only thing that I really can't support. No, and I've space. told I've told people, people say to me like I support free birth with me there in the light in the background as I'm yes. wearing the light. Yes, hat. just let me be there just in case. Like I'll just be in, in the case. closet, <laughs> right? right? And of yeah. course, you know yeah. when they're when they're in transition and you know yeah. calling yeah. me. Yeah. But like I have, I've had times where dads want to catch and the cords wrapped around three times and then he's calling me and you know so so I mean I'm right there. 
Right. But, you know, the most common emergency in a baby is I need to get, I need to resuscitate, you know, it could just be that last bit, you know, the baby's, you know, the baby yeah. is, pre- the head is pressing against the cord uh, somewhere against the pelvis and, and the baby comes out and, and is, is not responding to, right. um, so you need to have and recertify the N- an NRP, which is new neonatal resuscitation every two years. And that's the most common thing. So, so if, if you're going to tell me you're going to free birth, Who's going to, you know, there have been times I've had to do, you know, PPV, right? And then, you know, chest compressions. If I have to do chest compressions, I'm calling 911. Right. You're saying, I'm hey, over dying. there, <laughs> call somebody. Yeah, no, we need I, somebody yeah, here. Yeah. But right. most of the time, the cord's pulsing, and I just have to give baby a little, you know, jump start. And that, and, you know, but there's been, you know, I've had, I've had, I've had, can't just say I need help in room three. You know, I've had shoulder dystocia, which then um, some mild just and the baby comes out fine. But some I've, I've had, I've, yeah, I've had to resuscitate. And then, of course, mom has a, a, a postpartum hemorrhage. And, of course, because you know, that happens. Uh, yes. I, you know, that's why I always go with another my assistants who are trained or a nurse or another midwife. It depends on on the situation. But yeah. um Never lost anyone, thank God, you know, but that's yes. that's why I um I I support free birth only with me in the background. In the closet. I, right, right, right. I can t- I agree with you on that. Somebody just at least needs to be that you can do as much as you want. Just let me be there just in case. And I'm saying me as in you, obviously I wouldn't be there, but well, somebody needs to be there has, just in the background. Like if a mother wants to make the choice that it's okay, if if I die, I die, but the baby is not in on that discussion. The baby, I'm, I'm at least having to advocate for the baby. All right. The sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. Okay. So this Birth It Up Baby is super special because this is actually one of my friends that I used to work with, a fellow coworker, a fellow labor and delivery nurse. And we don't work with each other anymore. She lives across the country now, but she just had a baby and she just sent me her Birth It Up Baby. So I figured I would read hers off. So she says, our baby girl was born in July and my husband and I took your natural series and newborn series. I'm a labor and delivery nurse and knowledgeable about labor stuff, but I still found it so helpful. My husband is not medical and it was so great for him. He knew all of the terminology and was the best labor partner I could ask for. The ragdoll and slack jaw advice was the best. I unfortunately ended up with a C-section after pushing. She was just in there super funky and then some minor complications during my C-section. Also, our baby was very colicky and had a tongue and lip tie revision. The first couple months were actually really hard and I referred to your Insta so much awesome. I also took the breastfeeding course that you recommended and that was so informative as well. And that is the milkology course that she took. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Awesome. Amazing. So happy for you. Yay. If you want to check out this course that she took, she took Birth It Up the Natural Series and you could head over to mommylabornurse.com to check that course out. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. I agree. Well, I have a couple questions for you in terms of, no, you're fine. I have a couple questions for you in terms of like when mom goes into labor, how does she contact you? And like, when does she contact you? And like, when do you know, I guess it probably depends on 
if she's a first time mom or a second time mom or a third time mom. So I have that question. And then I want to know how your schedule works in terms of like, you said you work with a few different midwives. So you guys, are you guys always on call certain days? And like these days you see patients, these days you don't. So let's, let's do, let's talk about both of those. Well, yeah, you know, so everybody is different. My assistant is so good. Uh, actually, she she trained, she went, you've heard of Ina Mae Gaskin, yes? Of course, yes. Right, so she trained at the farm on how to be a birth oh, assistant. And she is- Amazing, I bet she's a, amazing. Yeah, and she's also a farmer. So like she's caught her, she's assisted her goats and her horses in labor yeah. and all kinds of things. Yeah, awesome. so first of all, for a first time mom, you know, we really prepare them and, and you know, um, they need a doula or doula like support. And that because mm-hmm. for thousands of years, women have been supporting women in the in the home surrounded by birth, right? Yes, so yes. so calm around birth and and knowing how what you know what that you know how to help somebody in that situation, right? So now in the West, you know, we're all spread out, so people don't have necessarily that kind of village of elders to, to help them. So they need that support, but they, they, when they, they call me, they, I tell them, don't call, I tell them, don't call me at three in the morning that you, mm-hmm. I lost your mucus plug because mm-hmm. I will be up. I won't go back to sleep. That's just yeah. me. Yeah. And they need, don't even tell your, your partner because, because right. you need to sleep. I need to be there awake when I, when you're going to need me a couple days or weeks later. Right. You know, so in the in the in the middle of the night, I tell first time moms if you're getting them, you know, if it's early, you can talk, and they're coming every. I don't care if it's every five to fifteen minutes; they're lasting 15, 20 seconds, and you're and you're like, you can call me and say, "Hi, I'm in labor. I'm having one now." You know, like so we really go over that. Right. Like, I, don't wake anyone, not even your doula. Try to sleep in between, you know, between and in the morning, and you can let everybody know, and yeah. then I'll be in touch with her in terms of when to come, you know, but I always encourage them to sleep at night and, you know, rest in the day, but also temper that with, you know, dancing and walking and and all that kind of stuff. And for a first time mom who has a doula and is doing well, and I'm, I'm on the phone with her, it depends on the distance. I don't take anyone that are more than an hour from where I am. I like to be there when they're coming every, you know, let's say three to five minutes, um, resting a minute or more. And she can't talk. Right. She is either, you know, set, roaring like a lion or she's moaning. And that's usually around the time that I get there. But not everyone fits that. You know, it, it's really funny. Um, We've had some stories like so. So my, <laughs> okay, here's OK, here's the situation. that So we don't do breach at home. That's planned. Mm-hmm. Right. OK, so this was a first time mom and my assistant um, also is a doula. So sometimes they hire her as a doula and she'll be and she knows exactly when to call me. And then she will take on the role of my assistant. And they know that. But they like that there's this continuity and there's only, you know, us there. Mm-hmm. She called me once and she said, and, and this lady lived an hour away. She called me once. She said, this lady, I just got here. Labor just started like an hour ago. But listen to her. And she's going, ah! Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. And doesn't want me to call you. She doesn't want me to call you. She she th- she thinks she just doesn't want me to bother you. It was like two mm. in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. I said to her, you know, just do me a favor because she has all the supplies there. I said, take, get a glove. 
and just put your fingers up and tell me what you feel. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm talking her with it. And she says, what she feels is like a two knuckles in. <laughs> and she says she feels um, something hard. Uh -huh. and she feels, but, but she can only stick one finger in it. Okay. I said, oh, no, okay. I know what I it said, is. I said, <laughs> I said uh-huh. Okay. Cause the way she was sounding and the way I said, we have a breach. I just, I, something in me. So I ran, I made it there. And the woman, when I got there, the baby was almost, almost crowning. Right. And you know, yeah. But not breach. from the crown of the head. No, no, no. Crowning, the butt was crowning. crowning the butt was crowning and sausage poop was coming out. Oh. I said to them both, I said, we have a breach and we're not going to have time to go to the hospital. We're going to have to do this right here. And the dad says, we have a breach. Oh, we can't. Oh, my God. That There's risk to that. And then he starts like Googling it. And she says, get off the <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, the baby just slipped right out. That was a precipitous mm -hmm. breach delivery. Wow. And that's why we have to know those skills, because if you have a precipitous breach delivery with no time to go to the hospital, that's happened to me in 20s. 27 years, maybe two other times. Like okay. we had a mom who was 41 weeks. She had an ultrasound BPP and the baby was vertex. And of course she goes into labor the next day and I'm, she's a multip. I get there when she's in labor, she's in the tub and, and she starts pushing and everyone's just relaxed and, 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 and she's on her hands and knees. And what, what I see coming out is a bag of fluid with sausage inside. You know, yeah. which is unformed poop, you know, poop that has not been um, mushed up mm -hmm. into meconium. It's just like sausage in. And I'm like, uh-huh, we have a breach. Now this baby flipped in a day. Wow. Right. She was a grand multip. She, I mean, like she had she is a gravid of seven. So yeah. I said, OK, my and I've caught the other one. So I'm like, OK, we, we have a breach. Let's stand up. And the baby just like flew out in, yeah. into my Right. But yeah, plan breach. We wouldn't we wouldn't do at home. So yeah. um, but anyway, you asked me when we call. So so people who have given birth before vaginally, I have to watch them because they can, you know, jump quickly. I mean, yeah, I had a birth in my office. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 people ask me, how often do you have births in your office? I said, nobody wants to birth in my office. They want to birth in their house. So yeah. avoid that. Yeah, but a couple of years ago, I, I this is you know multip. She she's she's in my office. She's forty and two, and she's um, I'm just I'm looking at her and I'm like you know I've caught her other babies and I know she jumps from early to 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 pushing quickly and I'm looking at her and she's contracting every few minutes, and I said how long have you been doing this? She says oh for weeks. <laughs> I said well. I don't know. I'm kind of uncomfortable letting you go home. I, I I don't usually check unless there's an issue. I said, but I, I like mind if I check? And she says, no. But I I I've been doing this for weeks. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I checked her and she was nine with a bulging bag. Oh. I said, uh huh. I can't let you go home now. You're 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 you know. She says, I have to go home. I have to pick up my kids. I have to get my. Anyway, she stood up and then she's. Argh! Yep, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> the baby in 10 minutes. But yeah, so I have to watch the second timers because, you know, they, they yeah. think that they oh, can go quick. Time, I'm not going to bother anyone because I was only one and they could yeah. be seven and they could just jump quickly. So we have to. So I would err on the side of caution and leave sooner 
to get to a multiple. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I do want to address that second question that I asked about your kind of call schedule. So what does that kind of look like? So, okay. So in, all right, so I've been doing this a while. Uh, So in the beginning, when I started with my friend who was my doula and assistant and then became a nurse, I was on call 24 seven. And, you know, the first year it was slow, but then we were up to, you know, max four to six a month. That's what I, I won't go more than that, just because I, I don't want to have two people in labor at the same time. And, right. and thankfully, that usually works out. If yeah. not, though, I'm in a community of there's there's a good amount of home birth midwives that, you know, sister midwives that there's a few that I trust implicitly and we call on each other if we're in that situation. Nice. You know, okay. when they sign, they sign some documents when they come into us. One is an informed consent. It's very thorough. Another, you know, and, and it is say that we cannot guarantee that we could, we will be at your birth. Yeah, that could be, you know, I was out with COVID for a month. Yeah. You know, oh, um, yeah, I yeah. was, uh, there was, we had a hurricane. Where do you live? I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, North Carolina. It's a hurricane. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, know, we're, we know very plenty very of hurricanes. Well. So, yeah. well, we, we had one where there was uh, no power uh, uh, for two weeks and I didn't hear the news and we had no gas. And, uh, you know, so like there, you know, there's rare things, sickness. I have missed two of my kids, uh, graduations, one was college, one was high school, oh, which broke my heart. So I, yeah. I, um, I always, you know, if I have, if I have something coming up, I always tell them, you know, I'm going to have a backup for this situation. And I, and I do take vacations. So yeah. as I got busier and busier, you know, I used to just say, I'm not taking anyone in, in the, do dates of uh, let's say January and then it became January and February because I just need time off. Yeah, you're a human just like my batteries. Yeah, you're a human just like like the rest of us. You can't, yeah. you know, be always, always working. I like to work in a team. I think it's better, you know, because uh I had a primate not long ago where 60 hours she was in labor. And um after I'm up 24. I start to get less and less effective at <laughs> thinking and functioning. Of so course. Yes. When I work, when I have another midwife, you know, we, we switch off. Right. So we decide uh, we, we would, we would be 50, 50 on, on the call and in the office. That's just what we do. Right. Yeah. And so everybody who comes into the practice, you know, they can't have favorites. You know, we know that you might like one more than the other, but we're both on the same page and, Right. It's one of us that you're that you're gonna get. Yeah, it was no. I also teach yoga and do breath work. So uh, you know, I yeah. schedule all that around everything. You know, and we'd schedule life around due dates. I I have a midwife colleague of mine, a little cynical though. She says you want to ha- you know how to induce someone because she's by herself. Not anymore, but when she was by herself, she uh-huh. got burnt out. And I I tell midwives all the time, you know, don't get burnt out. You you got to protect your boundaries and work in a team, you know, at least one other. Anyway, she says, you know, I don't do someone. You get really expensive theater tickets, Broadway tickets, and then they'll go into labor. <laughs> so I mean, like, she's got a good point there. <laughs> well, it, you know, so I, I, yeah. it, works the, it works the other way. Like if I, if I would be on call and I have expensive Broadway tickets, yeah. <laughs> I tell everyone on call, I tell everyone do I have expensive Broadway tickets this day. Don't go into labor. <laughs> Don't. 
That is that too funny. All the backup. No, you know. No, that is too funny. I want to talk about your assistant though. So you mentioned that you have an assistant that helps you. Do you? Is it just one person that you call on, or do you have a few different people? I have mostly two, and they're both NRP certified, right? Cool. They both mm-hmm. do CPR because that's the requirement that there should be two people at a birth who can do neonatal resuscitation. Right. And, and in case mom needs some, I mean, that's how we do it at the hospital too. It's like, there's a mom, there's somebody, a nurse who's mom mom and her baby. baby. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Uh, I I don't understand how midwives do it by themselves. I don't know. Most of the midwives in my area, you know, we, we bring, we bring a a trained birth assistant or a nurse. Primips I have, I have, because that's my transfer rate, right? Primips. (laughs) Of course. Yes. And so I tend, to, uh, you know, I I had I've seen in my career, once in the hospital, once at home, atypical eclampsia, meaning they had, nor they were normotensive, meaning one ten over seventy, no protein in urine, no swelling, no nothing, and then you know, fifteen minutes postpartum, uh, she's seizing in the bathtub. And we, by the time the, I mean, I had mag sulfate, I started an IV, you know, had oxygen. And then by the time the EMTs got there, she was stable. And and they, on, in the hospital, they, 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 on a straight cat, they got three plus protein and they diagnosed her with atypical eclampsia, which is rare. That's crazy rare. It's crazy rare. It happened to me in the hot, because it happened to me in the hospital, I made sure I, I gave a thing. We have a whole group of the home birth midwives in my area. I'm carrying max sulfate. Yeah, yeah. Everyone does just in case. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Yeah, no, totally. That's a good, yeah, that's a good why point. Why am I telling you this? Because you asked me. I asked about assistance. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I need max sulfate. You know? Right, like go get it. I can't do, I like, I'm only I'm one person. I'm her, starting yeah. an IV, you know, like, so, so, you know, she's trained. She knows how to, and, you know, you get comfortable with who you're working with. And, yeah. and oh, oh, I, I know why I was telling you this. Because of some of the things that have happened to me with Primips, I like to bring another midwife when I can for mm-hmm. certain ones. Mm-hmm. So then we have two midwives at, at the birth. Sometimes it's just most of the time, actually, with the multips, it's all the time, actually, it's just me and my assistant. Yeah. And they might have a doula. They might have their whoever's there. And COVID changed things in terms of that, because we when I bring in a transfer, I come with the records. I'm still addicted to paper charting. Uh, it's just how I grew up. And I <laughs> I'm going to say sometimes when our computer system goes down, it doesn't happen very often anymore because I work days. But when I work nights, every once in a while, they would do maintenance like at nighttime and we would do paper charting. And I got to say, it is kind of nice doing paper charting. It's very easy. Oh, yeah. You're looking at the patient. You're yeah. not looking. I was in, in our local hospital and the computers went down. We had a stats section and they couldn't Ooh. get anything done. Yeah. Couldn't get any, I'm like, we have to get in the section. Yeah. Right yeah. Who now. cares? Yeah. They can't get anesthesia. They can't get the blood, the drugs, the medicine, whatever. So, so I, I'm, I'm very happy with my paper chart. Yeah. When I bring a transfer in, I'm calling the, so the local hospitals know me, or if I'm going to where my backup obstetrician is, yes. I'm, I'm bringing in someone we've been, you know, the most common is she's been in labor for this long. We've done everything from A to Z and we're not, we're stuck here. And so I think she needs pit in an epidural or whatever. And, and they're ready for like, it's, 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 it's a, it's a smooth sort of relaxed. I tell, I go with them. Like if, if it's before labor, their doula goes with them. Like uh-huh. if it's 
preterm labor or something, their doula goes with them. But I go with them if I'm transferring labor and then I bring the chart and mm-hmm. they can copy everything. And I give report to the nurse, to the doctor, the midwife. And, and then I stay with them until the birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And <laughs> I, I have funny stories about that too, but that's, that's pretty much what, what we do. But with COVID, they don't allow me in anymore. Right. Mm. So they weren't allowing dads in now mm-hmm. or partners. Now they do. Then it was a long time yeah. to get the doulas in. Yeah. So there were times where I couldn't go, but the doula could go. That's so odd. Like, why wouldn't you be like you're a part of their healthcare team? I know not they don't work for the hospital, but yeah, that's that's interesting to me. So I'd scan the chart and call the midwife. But but that so uh, what what that's been doing is kind of like me being concerned about taking primips during yeah. this, this time and let unless yeah. I can because I just feel horrible about just dropping somebody off at the hospital. There are people that call themselves midwives, mm-hmm. you know, that are not legal. Only a, a nurse midwife is legal in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. And we can we can bill insurance and things mm-hmm. like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, Ina Mae Gaskin, I mean, people like her, you know, that, that's like, a, I think they call them CPM. Certified. C- yeah, certified professional midwife. Right, right. Right. Not everybody's like Ina Mae Gaskin. I would trust her in a minute with my baby. Yes. And yes. my life, my my birth. But there are some midwives that don't even have that kind of training. See, CPMs aren't even legal in all the states. So There's can- some that are just lay midwives and they don't have any, you know, training at all. And it's it's tough because yeah, that that seems like why would anybody choose that? But sometimes you I'll live in a you. community where it's like there's nobody Else. They can't afford to pay. They can't afford so to pay, pay, right? Or they've had three sections. They have a risk that that no certified nurse midwife would take. You know, yeah. so this is what happened to me. I was in the hospital, mm-hmm. and in comes somebody who has been in in extreme pain, and she's nine centimeters, and the baby's in the abdomen. We don't, we don't, that we can't get a fetal heart. And there's a prolapse cord. Oh. And so we rush her back and and the baby barely made it. And yeah. she needed to be transfused at least four, at least four bags. Anyway, what happened was her baby was transverse. She had a history of four cesareans and she had what is called a traveling lay midwife that attended her in labor. She said uh, she was in labor for a long time. So I don't understand, you know, no midwife would ever do that at home or even take a, a tra- you know, if someone's transverse and they can't vert the baby, yeah, that's a hospital transfer. You don't get to nine centimeters with some, with a V, you know, someone's attempting a VBAC like that. So that was, and they all look at me. Yeah. Is no. this what your home birth colleagues are doing? I'm like, no, no, no. They're, they're giving us a bad name. Right. So that. Yeah, one one of my colleagues actually reported that to the to the state Good. because we feel that Very. that's endangering people. Yeah, totally. Well, let's wrap up this conversation with talking. I'm curious about newborn care and postpartum care. So, what does that kind of look like? So, obviously, at the hospital, you know, you're there for a couple of days, and you know, the nursing staff and the MDs there take care of newborn, and you know, we do postpartum assessments. But if you're giving birth at home, it's like, first of all, how long do you stay after the birth, and then do you, right. do you come back and do newborn care? Let me just say that vast majority of people have the most beautiful births that are just healthy and, and empowering. And, Mm -hmm. and it's just this experience that they just want to shout from the rooftop, 
you know, that, that they did this. I didn't want to just scare everybody off with that other story that, yes. you know, but that Thank was you a for clarifying. situation. Yes. 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 So, so in pregnancy, we take out a calendar of about four to six weeks that we want them to make sure if they don't have a community, you know, they can either get from, you know, sometimes dad can take partner can take off for, for the first two weeks and then grandmom can come or the mother-in-law other grandmom can come or the, you know, but we want to make sure that they're not on call. They are not, it's not their job. Their job is to rest, heal, eat, drink, breastfeed. You know, that's their job. So no cleaning. Who's going to be doing that? Some people, they don't necessarily have help the cleaning, but that's a good baby gift to put on the registry, right? Ah, mm-hmm. Help with the clean, like one, because it's not on your plate. So we want to make sure they have help with cleaning, child care of the other kids, if there are other kids, errands and cooking, meal preparation. So Sometimes the church can can organize or sometimes they're in a homeschooling community or they're, you know, some some community that uh, their yoga class or, you know, the mm-hmm. people will cook for them. There's meal trains and, and all sorts of things that can be done online. And you can also for your uh, cook in advance and freeze certain mm-hmm. things, you know, we, we tell them what what's good for that. And you can also that's another thing to put on their registry. They don't yeah. need a bunch of teddy bears. They need meals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, or a postpartum doula, you know, so as long as they see who can help with this, like some people will say, oh, my mom is really good with cleaning, but she's very, you know, not good with my kids or mm-hmm. good with my kids, but just not good with cleaning. So then we say, okay, well, how about the mother-in-law, how about your sister, you know, friend or hired help, or, you know, we mm-hmm. work it out so that they have that in place, right? We stay as long as everything's good. I'll do a full exam on the baby. I like to preserve that sacred hour, you know, right after the birth and, um, you know, I'll leave, just kind of watch and let them bond and, and meet each other for the first time. It's just, it's just beautiful. And we'll, you know, be cleaning up and charting and things like that. But then I'll do a, you know, as long as everybody's stable, baby exam, and um, we're periodically checking mom. And if everybody's good, we'll, we'll leave in about three hours. Okay. Yeah. With, you know, an ammonia salt, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I leave them with instructions Okay, and ammonia salts. And if it's somebody who definite instructions on checking their own fundus Uh and the uterus and what to do if there's too much bleeding and, and we, I've had great success with herbal and uh, homeopathic remedies for the postpartum, you know, once we get past the the three hours I, I have the initial. Only, yeah. The initial. I have only once or twice in all these years had to go back and give medication. Okay. Then, then I, I do two home visits within the first 24 hours and then the next few days. Mm-hmm. And then the baby is like, they, they need to have a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Some of the pediatricians are, you know, they, who know me, they're like, bring the baby in a week. But some, you know, so it's up to the the pediatrician is responsible for the for the baby at that point. And the mom can call me anytime there's an issue. We do a two week check in, which has at least during COVID has gotten mostly zoomed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're welcome yeah. to come in the office. And then there's like a six week postpartum visit where, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do the whole full assessment and, and we'll talk about family planning. Mm-hmm. Some of them want an IUD. And do you place or, do those? Do you have yeah. IUDs? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a great method. Great. It method. is. I have one. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so sorry for the TMI, but yes, I agree with you. <laughs> oh, it's a great method. Yeah, yeah. especially for, you know, busy, busy moms. See, in the clinic in, in, in where I work, a lot of them are not necessarily monogamous and I wouldn't want them to have the IUD and, and they're yeah. more, they're, yeah. they're not interested in natural and they just want, they want hormonal contraceptive contraception and condoms. And the, the families in my practice, they are into natural family planning and they'll use condoms or, or yeah. um, they used to use diaphragms. I think it was hard to get for a while. And now we're back. We're back. In my, uh, but the IUD, great, great, great. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, yeah. Very, very popular method. I take the, put them in and take them out. I know. Easy, easy. Right. You don't have to think about right. it. All right. Yeah. And well, this like was a friend. pleasure. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Right. So it if they don't want the hormones, you know, they, they can get the copper. Right. right, right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And well, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was amazing to chat, you know, home, all things home birth, because I know I get a fair amount of questions and DMs. And I mean, I would, it, it's tough because I've had people even say like, well, you know, will you do like a home, a home birth, you know, course. And I'm like, I wish I could, but I can't. I don't know enough about home birth to make a whole course to educate these people. So I appreciate you at least coming on here and shedding well, some light. Like, I have a whole course. That's my stigma. Love it. Well, well, anybody who's listening who is asking me that can go to your course. Yes. <laughs> Love it. You have the link to I it. I will put it in there. I will put it in the show notes and then we're going to share this. Hospital birth as well, because a lot of people come yes. to me and they say like from all now we're on Instagram, we're global. Yes. They want to have a home birth like experience in the, in the hospital. In the hospital, yeah. Possible. That is. is. Thank you for saying that. that. My other practice, so possible. Move in. Bring your stuff. Yeah. Communicate. Yes, absolutely. Well, I love it. I will share the link in the show notes page of this episode. And then when I upload it on, on IGTV, I'll share it there as oh, well. Great. So oh, great yes, this was lovely. That. Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Pleasure. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place. When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See JDPower.com awards for 2022 details.